Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Glad to have you back. Uh, we are entering into uh, July of 20. 20- we thought it was time to uh, kind of give a state of the union on where we're at here across the state on crop updates and, and kind of what we're seeing and, and then start to anticipate some decisions that we're going to have to make here in the next uh, few days or, or weeks, depending upon uh, your crop stage. So we've invited a couple friends of the podcast back. Uh, we're going to start off in northern Iowa with our technical agronomist, Brad Sherwin. Brad, uh, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back, Brent. Hey, uh, we've uh, we visited a couple times here, Brad, and and you uh, you kind of cover some of that northwest Iowa territory. Uh, kind of seen a tough go of it here since we started the podcast uh, back in April, and uh, just a lot of tough conditions. I know when we spoke here a few minutes ago, uh, you mentioned just uh, keeping up the fight and putting out fires. So uh, just give us a general, just a general um, kind of crop stages, what you're seeing across northern Iowa, uh, where the crops are at, and, and just overall condition of, of what you're seeing so far. Sure. Well, we've got a lot of variability up here due to the Excessive moisture that we received in a lot of areas of spring planting has spread over a pretty wide window, five to six weeks in most cases. Most of the soybeans that got planted in that uh, later May time frame are now starting to get into that R1, R2 stage. And it's been a real challenge from a weed control standpoint in a lot of cases, uh, just because the field conditions didn't allow for ground application to get done about the time it would get fit to go, then we get another rain. That's made it a bit of a challenge. A lot of pre-emerged herbicides were planned, but that didn't uh, get applied due to the weather and the calendar and everybody wanting to get planted, which is certainly understandable. So that's been our biggest challenge. Uh, Like I say, the beans are in that R1, R2 stage corn. We're kind of in that V10 to V12 stage in most areas. I'll probably start to see some tassels popping here in the next uh, week to 10 days. Okay, so... So a lot of variability, and and like you said, uh, when when you've got a five-week planting window, uh, you're going to lead to a lot of a lot of different crop stages. So, uh, what um, as we think about seeing some of those tassels uh, pop in the next week, uh, week to two weeks there in your your area, Brad, uh, what um, what are we thinking about as far as pulling the trigger on on a fungicide decision i know we talked earlier about uh that that component being a a big factor in in our high yield management and so what what are some of those factors that we're thinking about before we pull that trigger uh with a fungicide application and maybe just talk about also uh just some of the diseases that you've seen thus far maybe starting to creep in uh into that northern iowa sure Well, we've had a lot of questions around fungicides and, you know, we've got a number of fields where we've replanted and then we get another rain and those spots uh, may or may not have survived. And in some cases they've tried to replant maybe a third time. 
more so for a weed control standpoint than really a yield standpoint. But when we look at the weather pattern we've been in going all the way back to May, we were in the 90s in May. With the moisture, we get those hot, wet, humid type conditions. You know, in corn right now, we're probably, we're starting to see a little bit of gray leaf spot, a little bit of uh, northern corn leaf blight. You can pretty much find about anything if you look hard enough. But uh, those are probably the two big, biggest ones up in our neck of the woods. And if we look on the soybean side with the, the wet conditions, uh, humidity, humidity the, the warmer temperatures, brown spot, uh, phytophthora, root rot has been pretty significant. Uh, some uh, rhizoctonia in the beans came in early. I'm starting to see some postings, pictures of brown stem rot along with the Pythium and the Phytophthora and the Rhizoctonia. So those are just some of the things that, that we're seeing. And like I said, with the conditions we've got, it's going to be prime for a lot of these diseases to really take off. Understandably so with the economics and the cost of fungicide and some of the fields where they've really taken a, a pretty good beating, whether it's from wind or hail or flooding. It's understandable about how much do we spend and, and what are we going to get for a return on investment. But really do encourage the growers, take a look at those fields. Not all the fields are in that bad of shape. Uh, there's still some good yield potential out there if we can take care of it. So while some fields may or may not justify a fungicide simply because of the stand that we've got there, other fields look really good. And we really hate to see growers give up on, on those good fields that still have some potential, knowing that we're going to have some disease issues that uh, would benefit greatly from having that fungicide application. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Brad. So don't don't give up just yet, right? I mean, we've seen we've seen a, a significant, you know, sixty cent drop in the market here in the last uh, you know month or so, three weeks, and uh, it, it's getting hard to harder to pull that trigger. But uh, whenever you think about not giving up on it and and what uh you know what what are the thought processes on not on not giving up so if a guy is going to maybe um kind of ration out his fungicide if he's going to spray 10 percent, 50 percent, 75 percent of his corn crop where where are you going to point him in the direction as far as what what uh, products or and or what fields should he be looking at first well, the fields that we would focus on would be those fields that, A, have probably had disease in the past, whether it's gray leaf spot or northern corn leaf blight. Those are our two biggest ones up here. So once those fields have those diseases in them, that inoculum is always going to be in the soil. You've got to have a host crop, which is our corn crop. And so the third part of the disease triangle is you've got to have the right weather environment. Well, that's what we're really setting ourselves up for. So those fields that may have had disease on them in the past, that maybe got hit with some wind, there's a little wind damage to those plants or a little hail damage to those plants. Those are now openings or vectors for those diseases to get into that plant. And so those would be the, the types of fields that we would focus on first. They still have a relatively good yield potential out there, but the history and the environment leads us to believe that, you know, those are going to be good candidates for uh, fungicide application that will benefit yeah, so we we've been talking about, or you mentioned here, Brad, the the disease triangle, and and I was had that here on my notes here to bring up, and you 
you mentioned all three points of that triangle and and really I I, I don't remember a better year setting up uh, for for that triangle to really meet in the middle as far as all three of those factors uh, basically being very uh, conducive to to high diseases right I mean hot hot humidity warm or you know those wet uh, moist dewy you know, humid mornings with, with a, with a host and the pathogen, uh, in your residue or reduced tillage or, uh, whatever you're thinking about there, this, those, those things are really lining up this year. I have a feeling. They are, they are, you know, it was interesting this morning. One of my DSMs called with a question, of course, on fungicide. So I'm kind of digging through some of the information we, we as agronomists keep. And it was interesting if we think back to last year, you know, it was pretty much warm and dry. And my neck of the woods, at least in my southeast uh, part of my, or southwest part of my territory, you know, we went six weeks, in some cases maybe even a little longer, without any rain. So a lot of guys didn't spray thinking, well, we didn't really have the disease conditions, you know, I'm not going to spend the money. What was interesting is one of our trials that was done in Atlantic and I think the other station down there, I just happened to come across last year under those dry conditions the fungicide application was a 20 to 56 bushel difference. Now, look at the conditions we've got this year. Yes, we've had years and years and years of experience with fungicides. We really do understand the benefit they bring. Is it warranted on every acre? You know, common sense has to prevail. Some fields just may not warrant the, the additional cost or the expense. We understand that. But don't give up on the good acres that, that are still out there. Yeah, and if you think back to to some of those those trials, Brad, you know we think about some of those you know big numbers that we saw, and and if you think back to some of those high yield uh, years here, the last couple of years we've been doing these trials, you know, is there a benefit to spraying some of these these products if if you're out scouting, you don't see a lot of disease, but hey. I just want to keep my plant healthy through and maybe try and extend that grain fill period. There is, you know, the old adage is by the time you see it, it's too late. And as an agronomist, that's, that's the way we're trained. And that's what we've experienced over the years. Hit that VT, that R1 stage in the corn. And we're most cases in most areas, you know, we're right there. We're, we're close to it, if not there already. So keep an eye out on those fields, be looking, uh, be prepared, have a plan in place that you can execute, have a applicator lined up, the products of choice chosen. But uh, when the time is, is right, get that application done in a timely manner and reap the rewards at the end of the day. Yeah, good points, Brad. So we, we focused a lot on, on the fungal diseases, Brad, uh, any any of the bacterial uh, diseases showing up like gosses or anything like that at this point or not? We've had a lot of damage and to those leaves and, and a lot of entry wounds. Or, uh, have we seen anything like that yet? Not that I'm aware of, at least not up in my neck of the woods. Uh, I haven't seen or gotten any calls or pictures or anything with regards to gosses, well, which is good. good. <laughs> We're not yep. going to complain. Right, 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 right. Did you did you knock on wood, Brad, when you said that or not? I did, I did. Okay. Could you hear okay. it? Yeah, that's what I thought. I heard that. Great. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned uh, uh, the uh, VT 
R1 stage on that corn application. What uh, on bean on bean application? We see a a number of guys, and I know your uh, your technical uh, development rep and field uh, specialist up there for soybeans. Uh, he he's a big big proponent of fungicide in your soybean crop every year. You know what what stages? I know we got a little bit more time, but what stage are you looking to get that fungicide applied in soybeans? In the soybeans, I, I usually try and focus on that R2, R3 stage um, yeah. simply because if that plant is healthy, it's not going to abort as many flowers. And the more flowers we can keep, the more pods we develop, the more yield we get. Sure. So one couple last things here, Brad, before we, we let you go. We've been talking a lot about diseases and, and some of those decisions. Uh, let's switch gears into a different pest on insects. Uh, what what are you seeing on adult emergence with uh, corn rootworm hatch? Any any adults uh, emerged yet, and any any factors that you're worried about there moving forward? Well, definitely the rootworm is a concern this year, and we <coughs> excuse me we just completed getting all the interns trained for our corn rootworm nematode project, and they'll be getting all their sample traps. Uh, put out here within the next uh, five to seven days seeing some pictures from the south uh, side of the territory where the double pros have been getting hit pretty good in plots with rootworm pressure right next to the smart stacks version which is standing straight as could be and the double pro is gooseneck because of some wind issues but that's a result of the rootworm feeding so yes yeah. it's definitely a concern something to keep a good close eye on yeah, I, I guess maybe what I was thinking, Brad, or what I'm concerned about maybe is that adult hatch and some of that late planted corn. So whenever we we get that adults emerging and then we got silks uh, still out and still trying to pollinate maybe in that later planted corn, we, we risk some of that silk clipping as well. So You're absolutely right, you know, and that's what's going to be a, a real issue if we do have a significant hatch this year is those beetles are going to go to the freshest, latest emerging silk. So those later planted fields are going to be at a much higher risk for clipping. And, of course, when we get those silks clipped, we can't pollinate. We're not going to get full ear development kernel set, and it's going to have a significant impact on our yields. Yeah. And so when you think about a four- or five-week planting window, you've got plenty of heat units to get those uh, the hatch uh, ramped up and, and headed in the right direction rather rapidly so a lot of a lot of things to watch here in july here brad so there is it's it's been an interesting year so far <laughs> it's pretty much been the theme of the podcast anytime we head to the the northern part of part of our geography so hey uh hang in there brad uh keep fighting those fights and putting out the fires we appreciate everything you're doing and and uh hey one last thing here before we let you go we've heard We've heard from you in the past on on fertility and specifically uh, nitrogen loss. Uh, one last thought here on with all this moisture we've had, Brad. What uh, where where is your mind at when we come to where is that nitrogen at in our soil profile as as we hit July and that reproductive stages? Well, in a lot of our fields up here, we can already start to see the yellowing, right? So we've all seen the yellow atypical nitrogen deficiency essentially that nitrogen with the amount of rain we've had has just been moved out of the root zone 
Now, the one problem that really kind of compounds this is when you've got the wet, saturated soils, there's no oxygen in that soil. And so our root development really changes. In other words, we just don't get the root development in a lot of cases. The plants aren't going to have the ability to get down to where that nitrogen is. Uh, we're also yeah. seeing a lot of sulfur deficiency. I'm getting a lot of calls on boron deficiency. So keep in mind, nitrogen, sulfur, boron, those are all leachable nutrients. Right. So it's not a big surprise. When we think of nitrogen, you know, in that V10, V12 stage up to pollination, that's really when that plant kicks into high gear and it's almost 70% of its nitrogen in that short window. So if the opportunity is there, we've got equipment today that we just didn't have accessible to us in years past, it would very much probably warrant an application of some nitrogen in some of these fields where we're starting to see some of that yellowing. Tissue sampling uh, is a good tool to kind of gauge where a field may or may not be at, but that would be definitely something to keep an eye on. I know up in our area, we've had guys flying on some urea, trying to supplement the nitrogen mm. in some fields. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big issue in a yeah. lot of places. Yeah, so just, just another thing to add to your, your scouting list, I guess, as far as uh, kind of assessing your crop and, and what it needs here heading into uh, heading into that time, like you said, when it needs it the most. So, um, so hey, Brad, any, any last thoughts here before we let you go? Uh, any, any products that uh, you're really catching your eye here as we head into July? Well, the one thing that I would like to reiterate is don't confuse nitrogen deficiency with potassium deficiency. Oddly enough, that seems to be very common. I bet I've had a dozen calls on this. And remember, deficiency is yellowing from the tip of the leaf down through the midrib. Potassium deficiency is the yellowing from the tip along the leaf edge. And so in some cases where we're looking at yellow plants and the assumption is that it's nitrogen. It's not always nitrogen. Right. Okay. Hey, good stuff, Brad. We're going to, we'll let you go and, uh, Hey, have a good, good 4th of July holiday and, uh, keep, uh, keep putting up the, the effort and, and appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, so thanks. Thank you, Brad. And we're going to, we're going to transition next into Southern Iowa, uh, with another friend of the podcast and, and, uh, hang on for that here in a second. So thanks a lot, Brad. Thanks, Brent. But bye. bye. Okay. Up next, we're going to transition into Southern Iowa. We got another friend of the podcast, uh, Sue Burkane. Hey, Sue, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Brent. Hey. So we're uh, we're kind of uh, joining together here and do a little State of the Union here and. Uh, uh, for for those of uh, the friends of the podcast that remember, Sue kind of covers central uh, to south central Iowa, and uh, kind of you've got the uh, you got the jack of all trades here in the last week here, Sue, in your territory. So you've seen ten inches of rain, and you've seen hail and wind uh, swipe through your territory all in all in one week's time. So uh, kudos to you for stepping out for fifteen minutes here and talking to us. It's been interesting. I think we've had every weather pattern summer can throw at you in a very short window of time. So we're we're muddling through and seeing what we can what we can uh, what we can fix and how do you plan for the next stage? Hey, we haven't seen a uh, 81 degree day with a 58 degree night yet. So maybe keep our <laughs> fingers crossed, huh? 
That's true. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, Sue, we, we talked earlier with Brad, and uh, we talked a lot about uh, just kind of that disease triangle is really setting up well uh, for our area, for the state. Uh, really, that, that environment piece of the triangle, uh, that heat, humidity, dewy mornings are really – are really kind of shaping up and what we just kind of want to get a glimpse of what you're seeing as you're walking fields other than, other than bad, bad stuff. What diseases are you seeing creep in and, and what can we do about it? Well, right now we've had, I was just in a corn plot up here around Earlham area and, you know, we've, we've had a little bit of gray leaf starting to creep in here in the last week in the lower canopy, not a lot, but you can find it. Um, it's something to take a look for. Our humid conditions that are lasting to till way late in the morning are quite frankly a big piece that's gonna keep things inside these canopies and is a great place to develop the diseases. So humidity spreads it. It doesn't matter if it's a cool season disease or a, a warm season disease. We have both in the summer and we get those patterns. When the rain came in, we were cooler for three or four days straight with a lot of water. And then now we're flat out humid and hot or warm. I mean, I'm 91 degrees in my truck right now, and uh, we could develop about anything, but gray leaf's the most prominent I've seen so far in the corn world. There has been a little touch of common rust. A lot of rust is, uh, we have hybrids today. Most hybrids on the market tend to be pretty good on the common rust as far as in the background of their breeding and internal control. Um, as hot as we've been, it would not surprise me to see some southern rust move in here a little later. It's typically a later season disease. So I haven't seen it yet, but as warm as we've been and humid, it's, it would love this weather pattern. Yeah, we, we saw plenty of that pathogen last year, Sue, so I would agree. I'd be surprised if we don't see some of that here a little bit later. So you said uh, you're seeing a lot of gray leaf in the uh, lower, lower canopy. So uh, if we're seeing it in that lower canopy, what, uh, you know, what are we looking for um, is that a, is that an automatic should I spray or is that an automatic should I watch it closely uh, but decision times upon us here what uh, what should we be doing well, I think there's a couple of things the hardest part about the disease piece is yes the conditions are perfect for them we're highly humid it's a normal Iowa summer in the humidity perspective and so we know the prominent for the potential for diseases is high gray leaf will continue to spread at a pretty rapid pace if the plant does not have a very good uh, resistance built in in that breeding background. Um, gray leaf will spread through the canopy. The lower leaves do not bother me, but it's also spores to creep up through the upper part of the plant. When you get to the ear leaf and above, that's when you would definitely want to look at, do you need to pull a trigger? How many pustules are on those plants and how much you're watching the development? If you have any out there, you're in a closed canopy right now on the corn market and in those fields, so it can spread fast. The key being by the time you see it spread very far in today's hybrids, you really are probably almost too late to do much. So we're right at that VT time frame. about half to a third of the crop is full open tassels. The other half will be there within the next four or five days from what I've been in. Um, we had a very short planting window. So we're at that point where the trigger to pull on fungicides is basically just right after full tassel is one of your, one of your best times to uh, be in the field on that. And so, yeah, we can spread it well, but I really, you, to look at it and spray off of the, the disease itself in the canopy, the ear leaf is kind of a trigger point for it as far as creeping up through the plant canopy. Yeah, that's, that's a good point there on, on watching that, that creep up. But you did, you did mention that the crop, that you're, you know, that 
the tighter planning window. Uh, we heard the opposite from Brad uh, earlier. And so when, when we had a tight planning window, I would say, what, April 26th to early May, uh, and plenty of, of heat units uh, now. Uh, we are, uh, Sue, would, would you say we're still running, you know, to what, 200 GDUs ahead of normal? Or where are we at in your part of the world? Yes, I would say we're very close to that because that's going to get put you on a about a seven to ten days ahead of normal at least. We're in my book, we're just darn short of two weeks ahead of when we normally would be here, and that's an average. So averages don't mean a lot, but we grew very fast. We have taller plants this year to a point in some fields. We put on a lot of node length as the plants grew up because of the somewhat later planting, but we had a lot of heat units really quick accumulate on these plants. Yeah, so. You mentioned a little uh, rapid growth here, Sue, with all this heat. Did that uh, did that affect any of our uh, any of our plants? Then, as we saw some wind and storms there in the last week or so, or not? You know, I think that could have had something to do with it. I've talked to a couple of people that thought there were plants a little more snappy in the fields to begin with. Even just walking through to look at some of the green snap that had happened across the market area with the high winds. Um, meaning a little more brittle plants. I don't think we built the structure. You think about a, a kid growing that doesn't really fill out for a little while, their bone structures on the thinner side as they grow height and they don't gain the bone structure behind to support the body. Corn plants are no different. You know, as, as they grow really fast and we accumulate heat units, we really didn't build that structure. To me, the plants don't have as much rind around the outside of them. And the other thing is with the plants, being just ahead of tassel in a lot of cases, not very few, very many days for my market area, we really don't harden that plant off, non-scientific term, but the plant hardens off a little bit. As you hit tassel, it kind of has more of a wall built into that and a wiry stem in that plant after tassel. And so we're still building that structure in the plant prior to tassel, which is where I think it hit some of the products worse. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, so any, any last things on corn, Sue, before uh, maybe we'll, we'll actually touch on beans here a little bit before we let you go? The only thing else I'd say on corn is for those that were in the market area or don't believe you were in, it may be worth taking a look if you've, if you've been in the paths of some of the wind. There's a lot of building destruction and things going on in places too, a lot of trees being cleaned up. Um, so it, it did affect the corn crop. It's not quite as sturdy as a concrete building or a, a tin shed. But as you look at the fields overall, look and see, is there, a, there may be a pattern on hybrids, there may be a pattern on the location of the field, is it the low valley on the west side, is it where the wind pushed up against the tree line and backed out a little bit, where did it affect it most, and definitely get a hold of your insurance guys. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of insurance guys uh, busy in, in your part of the world here. Uh, so on on the fungicide decision, Sue, on on corn, uh, I'm assuming you're you're pretty much in the same camp. Just reassess your yield potential, see where we're at overall, what risk are we have coming up, and and then reassess here uh, this week to make that decision. Yes, we're at the point where we're definitely taking a look at um, how soon to go in. You know, full tassel. Guys are just getting out, getting ready, and starting to work on if you didn't prepay for the fungicide application, it's now definitely time to make those decisions because they need to be getting on the roster and ready to fly or spray those fields. Um, overall, I, we are in a great humidity condition. It's very warm. Disease development is high in 
and prime this time of year. And with the weather pattern that we've been having, that's definitely a time where we, we could see a lot of development and even enhance some yields on the, just to get a little longer grain fill in the end, we may need after a short fill season to start the plants off. Sure. So, Hey, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about beans. So I think we've, well, we've uh, killed this uh, corn discussion enough here. Uh, and what, um, where are we at on, on soybean growth stages? Uh, where are we at on overall uh, status of, of our bean crop? So the beans I've been in and talked to people on, we are pretty well full flower up and down the, the nodes of the plant. Uh, we do have little small pods on the very bottom two to three nodes, depending on the field you're in. Uh, for the most part, you know, we're, we're full flower. It's, it's time to take a look at what the next stage is going to do and see what these pods are going to put on for us and fill later. Um, overall, beans do not look too bad unless they were affected with hail. Um, and there are some market areas that had hail come through where the corn either went down or had some tatter to it. The beans did too. Um, but for the most part, there's not a lot of diseases and things moving into beans. I've seen some reports on Cercospora, which is a leaf piece on the beans that you really can't do a whole lot for, but it's, it is a, an issue with the beans that you will see that's kind of a purple uh, cast from the sunshine coming onto them. And it will, it is one that you'll, you'll see in the field. Otherwise, I've had a couple of pictures sent to me that look like they could be the start of some frog eye leaf spot. So mm. some things to look out for in the bean market as, as the humid conditions continue. So I, th I think the, the nice thing about beans here, Sue, is we, we've got a little bit more time to evaluate before we get to that late, late R2, early R3 stage when we want to target that, that uh, fungicide bump, uh, maybe a little insecticide too, if we're watching for that as well. Yes, we do. I mean, the, we've just got little bitty pods on the very bottom of the plant. You need them up higher on the plant before you really want to pull the trigger for the ultimate where the payback may be on the fungicide application on the beans. Um, and there's really not a lot of disease development out there right at this point in time, but definitely be thinking about it and get it on the calendar if you're going to be or the roster for the guys that are running the rigs. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sue, we've, uh, we've taken enough of your time. I'm sure you've gotten about three phone calls in, in the meantime, since we've been on here. So um, any, any last comments here on our, on our crop stages or crop overall health or otherwise we'll let you go. You know, right now, just keep your chin ups and, and take a look at your fields, know where they're at because every field varies quite a bit across it in some places and others still look pretty good. So just take a look at your own acres and where they got affected at if they did by anything and if not look for a good pollination season and some bean fill yeah i think that's a, that's a good point to end on sue we heard that earlier from brad that a lot of variability uh but some pretty good yield potential out here in spots as well so uh keep the chin up and we're going to keep uh keep marking her down and, and keep chugging along so thanks a lot sue for joining us and hope to have you back on again soon thank you brent you bet thanks sue and thanks everybody for joining in hope to Hope, uh, hope you enjoyed our updates here across Iowa. And like I said, if you have any, any topics you want to see addressed, be sure and hit us up and, and uh, send us, a, send us a questions on social media, and we'll be sure to, sure to address them on future episodes. So thanks a lot, and hope to see you back again.